Hello, I'm Ashley. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode 18 of Choose Film Podcast. Um, You all know we take a deep dive into a random film each week chosen by our guest host. And this season is our Scotland theme, which we're loving. And today we are joined by the wonderful Michael Hines, who has chosen the film Local Hero to dive into. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm a television and film director and producer, probably best known for Chewing the Fat and Still Game, uh, that I directed all the episodes of. And uh, I live in Glasgow, and um, I was just telling you guys that we've just moved house, so my head is full of recycling packing boxes, and that's pretty much it, which is not a bad thing to do in a pandemic, given there's not a lot of work going around anyway. Yeah, a nice... nice exciting memory during the pandemic as well (laughs) (laughs) and um why local hero when we came to you with the scottish theme i wasn't sure how many other people you'd had on with the uh, scottish theme and and when you think of a scottish film immediately you think of something uh that's uh, has that definable quality of of being scottish not necessarily having scottish people in it um because otherwise you would have gone for dr quinn medicine man with sean connery or something like that but actually rooted in scotland and um obviously i love train spotting uh, and there are a lot of other films that i really like but at the end of the day i am a sentimentalist at heart and local hero is just a wonderful beautiful partly gentle but partly really good satire uh, on corporate life and scottish life and village life and i've always been um I always enjoy working in comedy, but I really like comedy that has a bite to it, that you remember it. And this film stayed with me ever since I've seen it. I also absolutely adore the soundtrack and and, uh, I'm an amateur sort of composer for film and TV. And I think it's a beautiful soundtrack. Uh, And it's a bit like um, Vangelis doing some films where you don't expect like Chariots of Fire, where you don't expect electronic music to work so well with the setting. And in Local Hero, it's not just twee, Mark Knopfler on his guitar. There's some great synth stuff as well. So uh, all the components of it make it a beautiful, lovely film to watch, but also there's a real edge and depth to it. So it's just a great film, you know, at the end of the day for those reasons. I noticed online that Rotten Tomatoes are giving it 100%, so um, I can't be far off there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And if you had to rate it out of 10, what would you give it? 10. Uh, 9, 10, yeah, definitely. I don't know if you'll ever get a 10. I think um, when people say, what are your favourite movies? They kind of change and uh, depending on the season and your mood and all the rest of it. And maybe in these pandemic trickier times. And um, I had my first child nine months ago. And so I'm much more emotional these days probably than I was a while back. So right now I would say probably nine or a 10 definitely because it really hits the mark for me in many ways. Yeah. Nice. Gary, what about you? Um, this is the first time I had seen this film. I had wow. heard a, yeah, and I had heard a lot about it, but when Michael picked it I decided not to look up the storyline or anything and just go in open mind and this film wasn't what I expected, but in a good way. It was just warm and witty and so relatable and I'd probably give it an eight out of ten and I'm sure that would change watching it again because you miss stuff first time around i tell you just something interesting i think quite often in scotland and northern europe particularly i'm half swedish we're quite frightened of committing to sentiment and emotion we like to be cynical about it we don't want it to be too full on 
and this is unashamed and brave with that and it, and it is it, i mean it is quite sentimental and schmaltzy in occasional places but the hard edges take that edge off so it doesn't become too sugary and that, and i think that's unusual uh, and really lovely for a scottish film because all too often we want to be cynical and not pretend that we're bothered by stuff you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what do you and think ashley for me so it was my first time watching it as well and i gave it a seven and a half out of ten um I thought it was a beautiful film and I really, it was, it was easy to watch. It was just nice and look, I don't want to go into my points, but it was just, it was a really nice film. Lots of good performances. I wanted, I wanted it to make me feel something more though. I think I've watched a lot of films recently, uh, one of them, Room, which I just, oh my God, I couldn't get over. And I think... I was maybe comparing it a little bit to that. Um, I mean, not that it can compare, but just the feeling, <laughs> the feeling that it gave me. They're very different. <laughs> really, really. Local room. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wanted to feel something more, but really enjoyable film. Uh, do you know, do you know I, I don't know how old you are, Ashley, but I also think it's a slight melancholy film and a, a film about yearning for something else. And I think, you know, I'm an old bugger now and... It, I love melancholy and I love that kind of feeling of uh, yearning and wondering what's over there and the wanderlust and that kind of stuff. And I think it, it hits you if you've been through certain things. And I'm not saying you haven't at all. That's not me remotely uh, passing it on. But I think sometimes if you go back to it later when you've been through different stuff, those kind of films might uh, impact on you more. Maybe not. Yeah. You know, no, maybe you're absolutely. just harder than me and Gary. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, but you're absolutely right. So... I'm just going to give a little brief synopsis for any listeners who maybe haven't seen Local Hero. Please go and watch it. Um, so, in Local Hero, there's an up-and-coming Houston Oil executive, Mac McIntyre, gets more than he bargained for when a seemingly simple business trip to a small Scottish village changes his outlook on life. Mac is looking to quickly buy out the townspeople so his company can build a new refinery there. But after a taste of country and village life, Mac begins to question whether he's on the right side of this transaction. So You didn't read that off the internet, did you, by any chance? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's funny because I, I really love the film, and if you asked me to give you a synopsis about a film, I would say it's about uh, a, a guy from America who is sent over by his boss to buy out a village so they can put an oil refinery in there but when he lands there, he falls for the people, the life and the ways. Uh, full stop, I guess. But that makes it sound a lot uh, cheesier and simpler than it actually is, maybe. But it is interesting when people have an opinion on a film. It's like, for me, I'm a massive Liverpool football fan. And when I watch a match, I watch a completely different match to my uncle and my other pals who are Liverpool fans who were sat next to me. And mm -hmm. I think it's the same with films. If you ask people to give a synopsis, their own synopsis compared to the official one, as it were, it would be very different depending on how much you like the film. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I think yours is way more beautiful and real to the film. Humble. <laughs> yes. So let's get started. There is a place where the northern lights transform the sky. Anything out of the ordinary, you telephone me, night or day. Modern mermaids spring from the sea. What's the most amazing thing you ever found? Impossible to say. There's something amazing every two or three weeks. The land breathes with an ancient mystery. Where are we? And all who witness its wonders 
come to believe in its magic. What about the sky? Sky, sir, is amazing. I wish you could see it. I wish I could describe it to you just like I'm seeing it. This is the new film from the producer of Chariots of Fire, Local Hero. Um, we're going to go around and each pick our first positive point on the film. So I'm going to start off with um, the beautiful Scottish landscape in this film. It is a love letter to Scotland. It made me appreciate Scotland so much more when I watched it. Um, and we get the first glimpse of it when Danny and Mac are driving to the village, uh, Furness, and you know you see the hills, the valleys, the lochs, and even when the mist comes over, it's just beautiful. And I couldn't, I couldn't help but notice all the beautiful scenery, um, the beach scenes as well with the pink blue sunsets and reflecting on the water, just gorgeous. And you know I think that does emphasise why Mac loves the place so much as well. Um, I know we also have the meteor shower, which I did like. I did like bits of, um, and of course the ultimate northern lights, um, which the villagers seem totally unfazed by. Um, which I'm sure if you lived somewhere like that, you probably would be. You'd just get used to it. Um, but yeah, scenery, Scottish landscape, absolutely beautiful, and I think it adds so much to this film and just. It makes me love Scotland I'd, even I'd more. I'd actually challenge you on that, Ash. I don't think that... Can I call you Ash? Or is Ash yeah, yeah, work? go for it. <laughs> I'd actually challenge you on that. I don't think there's that much scenery in it. I think that there's the village, the beach, and the water, but you don't see that much of the water, given it's about the water, um, and a little bit of the hills, but belong that, you don't see anywhere else in Scotland. You, you, there's a fog-ridden um, scene, and then there's one picture of a loch, the rest of the time, it's all inside the hotel. And I don't think it shows off Scotland that amazingly. What I think it does do is show off small village life set within the weather and environment that they are set within very, very well. And I agree with you, the bits you do see are beautiful, but I wouldn't necessarily say I think it shows off Scotland to its best because there are no trees in the film. There are forests, there are cities, there are towns, villages, the massive expanses. There's not even that much sky um, apart from the meteor shower and the northern lights. Which uh, So uh, I know what you mean. It makes Scotland look beautiful, but I, I don't know if it's if it's an advert for Scotland as much as, um, uh, as in other ways, perhaps, of why he falls in love with it. I yeah. would say that uh, when it does show the sunsets and the scenes in the beach, I think it does capture some of Scotland but it doesn't try to be over fancy with it. It doesn't try to make it look warm for instance because let's face it like a coastal <laughs> Scottish town isn't necessarily warm um, but what I would say is with the cinematography they knew exactly when to film and what they were going for with those scenes and obviously as we probably all know you only get a limited amount of time to capture those scenes with that that backlight behind the behind the characters, so they must have really known their stuff and known their lines and known their their the framing before even going into them. Yeah, I yeah, think I was and just I also so think, drawn in. So, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no I th- but but I also think it's interesting because at that time of the uh, play when it was made, there was Restless Natives, uh, which is Vincent Friel and the other guy cutting about Scotland on a bike, uh, and you saw much more of Scotland in that point. But you know. Uh, Bill Forsyth and the whole way he does his films, or even if you think go back to Gregory's Girl and things like that, uh, I don't. I think Gary's right. I don't think they're trying to push it. And and you haven't said that actually. Anyway, you know they're not trying to push it or sell it or be an advert for tourism for Scotland. But it, it, it 
but the landscape is really beautiful and necessary and it probably wouldn't have worked if he'd landed in Glenrothes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think it's important that you did have the beauty of it. But I think Mac falls in love with much more than that and I think that's the people. But anyway. Yeah. What what I would say as well on that is I well for me anyway, watching this film at this time of year during lockdown, it does make you miss being able to travel and go to these other parts of Scotland as well to to escape the city, the the working life and get outdoors again and see people and drink in small cramped pubs and things like that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It was oh yeah. I I definitely clung on to those I think I'm just a, a lover of sunsets as well. <laughs> so as soon as I saw it I was like, yes, this is what I need. <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely my um my first point, the Scottish landscape. Um, Michael, what would be your first point? I love the way that it's all about people being fish out of water, in Marina's case, literally almost, uh, with their webbed feet. <laughs> Max a fish out of water in that place. Um, Gordon effectively is, because he's a city, a city guy living in a village and running the village in that respect. Uh, and everyone is... Uh, the whole village want to sell their house. There's no, there's no um, kind of... Uh, regret apart from ben um and then also <laughs> peter capaldi who's absolutely brilliant in it absolutely brilliant and much reminded me much more of actually how good he is at comedy uh, he's kind of awkward there uh, and, and everyone is a fish out of water but get on and that's what i love about it i love its universally universal humanity about it. Peter Ustinov once said that people in Russia at the height of the Cold War still ask for salt to be passed across the table as they do in America. And the scene where Victor arrives and actually the American, the Scot and the Russian all sit down and drink vodka and whiskey and get pissed together and they all have a dance and they all have a song and that's what people do. That's the same no matter where you live. And I love that and I think that's what Mac realised. And I'm very wary of... Um, canny Scots get one over on the mainlanders kind of idea films you know it's not whiskey galore and all that kind of stuff it's a little bit and that's not what happens here but nor is it big city boy gets one over and it, it's so cleverly done that even though everyone's a fish out of water everyone by the end is settled and together and comfortable and that um and and nothing's forced in it so i think i think my my main love of the film is basically i suppose it's the tone but it's it's the script it's the way it's done it all makes you feel that uh you're taken through it. and you, you both said this is a really easy watch you, you watch it and you don't realize but you've got to the end of it and it's quite a long film it's an hour and 50 i think um that you've just watched an enormous amount of stuff like an enormous amount of stuff um happer and the the crazy guy that's a story that didn't need to be in it, but it's in it. And there's all the little details, the relationship with Stella, uh, the punk girl, the, the old guys, the phone booth. There's things that don't need to be in that film, but it's completely rich and full, but it's easy going when it goes through. And I'm waffling on about 32 points here now. I don't really care. But the, <laughs> the, my main point, I guess, at the end of the day is, is how beautiful it takes a whole set of fish out of fishes out of water and, uh, puts them all in the same swimming pool at the end. <laughs> that sounded ridiculous, but I know what I mean. No, I know, I know what you mean, and I think it's that whole welcoming aspect of the village as well. Even though everyone is a fish out of water, everyone takes each other in, and we see it when um, you know all the guys in the pub come together to get the change for um, Mac to use the phone booth, uh, the phone box. But 
I I just think it's it's that sense of including everyone, no matter who they are, where they're from. You know, when the, the helicopter comes onto the beach and it's just like a I don't know an ep- quite an epic <laughs> scene for the film, um, and everyone's coming down and you know there's that real sense of camaraderie throughout the film, uh, no matter what's going on. Yeah, you think I, there's any of that wariness though at the beginning? Would they have done that with the the change? the first day he was there? Do you think they thought, who does this big shot think he is at the beginning? I don't know. Possibly. I think when we see Gordon as the accountant, when that first happens and we're like, oh, okay, okay. I think there's a little bit of, we don't we don't like these two guys who have come. I think there is a little bit of weariness there. But I think that goes pretty quickly. Do you know, do you know what I thought was funny? I thought Gordon as like the hotel owner was like quite obnoxious then he goes through next door and then he's like a business head <laughs> and was like almost welcoming <laughs> and it was like almost he was playing deliberately two different characters to almost um knock mac off balance at first so he's like almost what's going on <laughs> and then yeah no that's true yeah um what i would say as well is as I said, I didn't know anything about this film first watching it, and then as I got to follow the story, I tried to guess what was going to happen, and I thought it was going to be a businessman comes to a small Scottish village to buy up the land, and then finds love for the place, and then decides not to do it, and he becomes the local hero. I thought it was going to go down this route, but then you watch it, and he gets there, tries to buy the land, and then the first time I was knocked off balance was when the whole village was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we're going to be rich. And I was like, okay, where can it go from here? Where can it go? I love and- that fact, though, because that's the truth, is that actually a lot of people living in a tiny village, if you promised them millions of like, great, get me a warm new house in Dulleter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And um, that goes quite nicely, actually, onto my first point, which is the supporting roles. They are what make it for me like as well as Mac and, and Gordon, but everyone who's in this film has got a personality and they're fun and they're quirky and it's just great to watch. For instance, that opening scene in the conference room where Happer is asleep and they are trying to show this oil presentation and rather than wake him up, they continue the presentation, but they whisper everything they're saying so as not to wake him. And then... As you get to the village, you've got um, the guy who's like casually filling his pockets with the buffy food, or you've got the punk rock girl who's chasing Peter Capaldi's character, Danny, through the Cayley, trying to like get a dance with him. Even just small scenes, like when Mac comes out of his hotel and there's the group of like fishermen and villagers are by the sea, and he says to them, whose baby is it? And they all just stay silent and then they look at each other awkwardly. It's wee moments like that. that... That's what I meant about the script being absolutely full of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily get in a modern movie because a script editor would have been through it and taken out the, the bits you don't need. And actually, it's like real life. It's like the, the, the shop. It's stuffed full of stuff that you're not going to need, but it actually enriches it. And I totally agree with you, Gary. All those little moments, all those little asides, even John Gordon Sinclair being the drummer and having a debate with the punk girl about the, the uh, uh, why you're chasing him because he's different, you know. Yeah. As you say, it's, it's full of weird sides all the way through, you know, and uh, 
I think it's fantastic. I totally agree with you. And by the way, what an amazing cast. Mm-hmm. You know, Ricky Fulton playing a scientist completely steals yeah. those scenes, even playing it straight. And then uh, people at the early stage of their career, Alex Norton um, is in there, you know, as an assistant, but, you know, yeah. and then Peter Capaldi. You just forget, actually, just what a brilliant actor he is. I, that, also, that is, you know. I, um, I also spotted um, Jonathan Watson in there as well. Mm-hmm as well and it's like it's kind of like American Werewolf in London where you see like Rick Mayo in the background of the pub and doesn't really do much you know um, but one of the other characters um, that we kind of uh, we kind of spoke about earlier was um, Harper's verbal abusive therapist who is just fun and crazy and takes the film to a whole new level and what I find interesting is Michael you kind of touched on it earlier is if you took that whole storyline out it would not change the main story at all, but it needs to be in there just as a complete contrast, you know, and it works. Yeah. Is it Moritz? Is that yeah. his name? Is that yeah. Norman Chancellor plays Moritz? That's right. Yeah, yeah, I know. And 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 actually, Burt Lancaster is amazing in it because you associate Burt Lancaster with action hero movies or big A-list stars, and he's he's actually quite a gentle giant in this and i think he's absolutely brilliant real gentle touch there's such subtlety across the whole of it that it's that's what i really love about it. it's just really carefully done and when you really look at it you think wow that sounds simple but no there's an awful lot going on there an awful lot going on there you know all that kind of thing like when ricky fulton says um we're just going to replace this whole village with this refinery and gives him the village you know and he hands him over the village and he says okay what's that and he says, oh you can keep it and in a, in a way, you could argue it's a metaphor for him buying up the village and all the rest of it, but he just cuts about with the village and then next minute he's taking it north with him. It's all that kind of stuff as well. That It, it, it isn't a, an ego-driven film whereby stars are trying to steal the scenes, but everyone steals their own scenes. Even the guy hammering the roof, you know, he just yeah. they all steal yeah. their own scenes. And that's really, that's really generous of Forsyth to let that happen. But at the same time, it, it, it's kind of beautifully underplayed even if it, it, a lot of the parts are slightly overacted, which it needed in a certain sense, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes on, well, actually, to my second point, which is the character of Danny. I think Peter Capaldi absolutely nailed it. When we first see him, and he has this... It's almost a nervous energy, but he's so endearing. And I just... I, I would love to have even watched a film that was just him and his life because he took us by surprise so much. I mean, that commando crawl um, on top of the <laughs> rocks when he's going to kind of spy on Marina. It's just, he's hilarious. And at times I did think, oh, maybe is it too much? But I, it's not, it's not, it's it's needed. And it's it's funny. It's, it's not laugh out loud. I didn't laugh out loud at his character, but he just made me so happy. Um, I think that's because you would end up laughing at him rather than with him, which would be cruel. I, I, I agree with you, Ashley. I would be fascinated to ask him whether or not he watched how uh, Peter Regert was doing Mac, because Mac's quite laid back before he decided to do that, or whether he decided to do that irrespective, because they're on screen quite a lot together or whether Forsyth had told him to go for it more, because you're quite right, it's quite a ridiculous performance, but it works. But it's it's, it's almost like a clown. It's, a, it's, a, it's physical comedy all the way through. Everything he does is almost John Cleese in some of his walks and stuff. And yeah. I totally agree with you. I think he's brilliant, but I would love to have known whether or not how much the director or the two of the actors worked out how they were going to do it, because you couldn't have had two people at that level. It would have been too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I just think 
he's not he's not a pushover character at all. He does he stands his ground, but I loved the part at the end when things have turned around and he's serving everyone dinner <laughs> in the hotel with the village villagers. He's become one of them and um he's still so unique in his own right and I just think he really held his own um and was my favourite character in it. Um yeah, definitely. And I, I think the scenes with him and Marina are great. The dialogue is so fast paced between them. You know, like when um he he sees her at the village and sees that she's swimming and he's like, Oh, did you swim all the way here? And and just things like that. And it's enough humour to almost try and win over the girl and um I love how when he gets to the village as well, he feels like he's done his job. He's got Mac to the village and then he's away to find true love almost, you know, and doesn't really care what happens to the village or what happens to Mac until, of course, he learns what her wish for the place would be, you know, where it becomes more like a biology centre. I can't remember the name that they used for, for, mm-hmm. for it at the end. But, yeah, I thought the two of them worked really well together. Yeah, you're right as well, because when we see Danny and Mac in the car together, they could have been lifelong friends. Like, they got on so well, and then as soon as they do get to the village, they do separate. Um, but I don't know, I didn't I didn't actually focus on that much, but I just loved both of their both of their stories. Well, they, I think the separation happens over the first few scenes, so they, they cut about together for a bit, and then when he catches up with Marina, it's that bit where he, he says, can I borrow the, and I can't remember if it's the scallops, it's not the... Um, Razor clams, it's whatever thing he borrows off them yeah. uh, to, to nip off to show her and uh, and then legs it down the road, you know, because then he thinks, well, I, I can't do anything else more here anyway. And it's right for the story because he would have been a spare part continuing the story and it would have taken the edge off Mac and the focus off Mac and Gordon as they went forwards. And in a way, his when he starts to disappear, that's when Ben starts to come into the movie more. And and I don't think it's deliberate. I think it's just the story moving on and then they give him something else to do. But you're quite right. Literally everybody has something to do or two things to do or three things to do in the film, you know, no matter who it is. Yeah. uh, And and that's really nice with it. And and I think Capaldi, you're right, actually absolutely nailed it. But it's such an unusual level of performance to see in the film. And actually, bizarrely, you probably saw elements of it in Doctor Who that kind of quirky mannerism and physicality about it uh, because he's much more known for um, either who or also um, the thick of it and things like that. Yeah. You know, uh, so to see him be uh, inelegant and awkward uh, and it goes back to that thing about being awkward, but still comfortable. You said they could have been lifelong friends. He was still sat there and there was an awkwardness, but at the same time he had the confidence to say, well, I'm doing this and I've got chewing gum or, you know, whatever. Uh, all the way through and so yeah yeah no i agree it's almost like a more subtle mr bean with his physical comedy yeah as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i'd agree um so michael what would be your next point uh in terms of what i liked about the film yeah yeah, yeah. um i i think probably the pace of the film um, and i think you feel as if it's quite a slow film because it's an easy watch and it's a comfortable watch in a big chair, you know, but actually so much happens and that hour and 50 zips by hour and 47 to be precise. And every scene, you know, when when we, when I make comedy, we always talk about trying to have something for a second watch. So when you watch it a second time, you go, I didn't clock that before. 
And if, I guarantee when you watch this, even when I watched it again, I've not watched it loads, you know, I've maybe watched it three or four times and I watched it f for this particularly. When you watch it again, you think, oh, I didn't notice that before. I didn't notice that before. I didn't notice that before. So every scene is designed and beautifully and, and packed full of stuff. And it goes back to that point where you didn't need half of the stuff, but actually it, it's it, it's full of it. Like, like the angry uh, Russian wife shouting at Victor, but also... Uh, what he's clinging to him, which is the two vodkas, and the fact that she never draws breath as she says it and speeds off. We didn't need any of that, but that's that's that scene packed, and then half mm. the villager down to meet him, and then he's talking all the way back. And so later on, when you see Mac have a little look about, it could have become more schmaltzy, over-sentimentalised, if it had some montages of him looking at the water and the moon reflected and blah, 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 blah. But it's not, it just cracks on and... The only time really is when he goes, there's a scene where he goes out with his feet in the um, sort of paddling and picks up stuff from the rock pool and looks at them and goes back. And it kind of senses he doesn't know what to do. But that, I think that's about the only silent moment in the film. So I think that the script and the pace of the film is brilliant because it's, it plays a real trick on you, which is you think this is quite a gentle film, but it rips along uh, everything, you know, and you try and remember all the different storylines. And you know, oh, I forgot that, I forgot that, I forgot that, I forgot about that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Com completely. Yeah, I would also say I thought watching it that it was going to start off in America and then transition to the Scottish village and I didn't expect to see any more of America again. I thought, right, it's going to be contained in this fishing village. But no, it, it cuts back and it gives you more of Happer and what's going on in his life and uh, obviously the scenes with his therapist and then what makes him then take this move this trip to Scotland himself so it gives you all that as well which it really didn't really need to do you could have had this scene where Mac is standing on the beach and Harper's helicopter arrives and it's this oh shit moment but no we see him coming so we know ahead of Mac that he's on his way yeah it's interesting because what happens is uh, Gordon says we better protect Ben because the villagers are coming the other pass and you think actually they are coming for Ben are they because you know you probably would if there's one old duffer who lived in a beach hut stopping you getting millions. And then you realise actually they're coming for the helicopter. And they don't all need to come for the helicopter. It's a slight gripe of mine. But actually it works because it throws you at that moment and the soundtrack at that moment really lifts it as well and things like that, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's oh god. It's a busy film, but you're so right, it is it is gentle as well. It's kind of a, an illusion in a way. Um you just get taken taken away by it. Um very beautiful. Um, so we are on Gary, your yeah. next point. Yeah, I just wanted to talk a wee bit about uh, the journey that Mac uh, goes on because he's got the car, he's got the good job and he's got the money, but he's lonely. Um, and you can tell in the first few scenes that nobody is going to miss him. He tries to ask the desk lady out on a date before he leaves and she just blows him off. He tries to phone... Trudy and she can't wait to get off the phone. Um, Happer at the start doesn't even know his name. I'm sure he calls him Macintosh rather than Macintosh. He calls him a different Mac all the way through. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then he arrives in Scotland and he quickly falls for the culture and the village and the people because his days are wrapped in business conversations, looking at his watch and being at that phone box. Um, but I love how we see him transform. And one well, of do you think he quickly falls for the village? I didn't think he actually that quickly fell for it. I thought uh, the first few days he was awkward and 
he's looking at his room and you know all that kind of stuff so I, and i think that i think you're right about his journey is uh, obviously that's the whole point of the film in a way but i didn't think he instantly fell for the village i think he was frustrated by the lack of facilities and stuff there to begin with I would maybe say, maybe not that he falls in love with it right away, but I think he's amazed by the way of life and it's quite unexpected because he's, they talk about how he went to Mexico quickly and wrapped up the deal like, like there was no tomorrow, basically. But when he comes here, he's almost uh, like bemused, I guess, by like, the way of life and just the people and how, like again, with Gordon, one minute he's in one room, being the hotel manager, then next second he's been the, the accountant and almost the mayor of this free village. I think he's really taken back by it. But there's one scene that got me, and it's when he's, I think he's down at the the beach collecting the seashells, and he's put his watch on a rock, and the tide takes his watch away. And for me, that was like almost his old life getting washed away. I don't know if I'm looking too much into that, but it's like, that life in America is getting taken away by the tide and that's when he realises that there's something here, there's something special and then you get the great scene at the bar where he's drunk at the bar with Gordon and he's basically asking Gordon to switch lives with him and he says something like, <laughs> I'll make a good Gordon, Gordon. <laughs> it was funny because you saw his ex-wife or girlfriend right at the beginning uh, when he went, when he phoned her or and went round, and they were really emphasising the length of the phone cords during that conversation, so he could be complaining about the phone cord later. But I, I, I agree about that. But I think you, you say whether you're reading too much into it or not. This is the skill of Forsyth for me because if it was a bit more arty film, then we would know that all of these things were meant to be signifiers and deep metaphors and all the rest of it. But he just puts them in there, and you don't really notice them, and you think that's in there. and then later on they resonate with you and go, oh, "That was clever." That was sneaky. That that's that's interesting, you know. And so the watch, or as I was talking about, everyone's a fish out of water, or you know, all the different metaphors and stuff that go on in there. Um, when you do realise, you think actually they probably were meant. You know, they really were meant, and they yeah. and that film has so many deeper levels because of it. And that's when it becomes a more complicated film than just the easy film that we all think it is on the on on the surface. Yeah, and the other part was right at the end where to me I was like, okay, he's a changed man and it was very subtle, it was one line and it's as Harper's, uh, Harper's uh, helicopter is on its way and he lands and everybody's on the beach and he again gets McIntyre mixed up with Danny, I think it's this time, or is it Gordon? But he turns around to McIntyre and he says to him, get yourself a shave and he's let, he's uh, he's only got like a five o'clock shadow, but it's almost to me that was him going, okay, he's fitting in now with these people. He has almost become one of them, you know, to the point that as soon as you've got a five o'clock shadow, you're no longer a businessman <laughs> in Harper's eyes. Um, so, yeah, but he's kind of the everyman, isn't he? He's stuck in a nine to five job. He wants more from life. And, like, it's weird well, because. I... So, sorry, on you go. No, no, sorry to interrupt. I was just. He thinks he has it all because that conversation you're talking about with Gordon, he's talking about the Porsche that's paid off and he's got a good flat, you know, and he's got nice suits and he's got a good watch. He thinks he's made it and then realises these aren't the important things in life, which is perhaps what lockdowns taught us all. They are just the most important things in life. Money is necessary, but not uh, the ultimate goal, perhaps. And 
that's what's interesting about his journey. It's not that he's become feral or not what he was, but he's realised there is more to life than those things. And interestingly enough, Happer seems to have managed to balance those two things, which is a love of the great unknown and the stars and the beyond with massive business. And um, it's interesting because that's what makes them stick out for that that point of view, you know. And I and I think that's what's lovely about him is that lesson that it teaches it all. And it's not teaching us all we need to retire to a small you know, Plockton and go and be Hamish Macbeth or whatever. What it teaches is, is is the things that money can buy aren't just the important things in life. And I think that's what he realises at the end. And I'm gutted for him when he gets sent home at the end. I'm really, yeah. I'm really dismayed mm-hmm. for him. And I think it's such a shame. Um, and, and I think what a snake Danny is at the end there. And he just, you know, and when he, when he turns to him and he says, um, he says, oh yeah, we're going to, we can have this um, Marine Research Institute. And he said, when did he talk about that? And he said, it's just been on my head. Oh, he never told me about that. And then he realised he's been had, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think that at the start, we're kind of set up to not really warm to Mac at all. Like, you know, when he's he's having those phone calls through the window to someone when he can literally just walk through and speak to them. And he's set up to be kind of, yeah, materialistic, definitely. And then his journey, I love it. It does... It does, I feel like doors are opened for him. It's kind of forced upon him in a way, you know, when he starts to get frustrated at the telephone box when the guy is like there all the time, just like at him and like making sure he's got it and everything. I think at first he doesn't he doesn't want to accept the village life, but I think the more and more he gets deeper into it, he has kind of no choice but to accept it. Um, and yeah, definitely that meaning of understanding that there's definitely more to life um, really rings true in it. So my last point is the village life and the village mentality. I loved it. I thought there was little comedy points in there that just really, really got me. You know, when the Reverend has called the meeting and everyone's together and kind of gossiping. I think it's one person looking out the window when the reverend goes to speak to Danny and Mac and then they're all whispering back to each other then of course we've got the Kaylee um that just really sums up the sort of small village you know all the boys in the band look like they've definitely been forced to be there by their parents um and it just the the whole sentimental factor of the small village life you know the guy who's on the motorbike and he's always driving past like that you they just get used to these little quirks of the village and what makes it beautiful and we've got the guy painting the boat I just think that was so endearing and that really drew me in and just well, also made me the want community to aspect, I think yeah I, th- I think if you you know I've done a lot of work with the, with the gales and quite often in a small village the band is made up of people because everyone can play an instrument and the whole village comes together for the gay Kaylee because that's what they do but there, it's not that separation of generations that you get here. The young folk don't hang about and the old folk don't hang about. Uh, everyone just accepts that they're going to be together because that's how life is. And I really like that. Uh, I would agree totally with you about it. You know. Yeah, I think, and everyone mucking in to do the jobs uh, that need done in the village. And the, of course, we've spoken about it, Gordon jumping between different jobs because everybody just seems so happy to take on whatever whatever it takes, whoever comes into the village. And I love it. I also love that sense of them all kind of descending on the beach to the helicopter or to Ben. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, it's a real sense of community. Remember, remember being able to go to Achille? 
the other thing i would say there as well is that is another part where you work out that mac has learned almost the rules and the way of the village is i think it's like it's like maybe fourth time leaving the hotel and the bike goes to go past and he stops danny yeah and almost and it's just like he now knows like the rules of of this place um no that's quite good because my last oh sorry it's michael first i was just about to jump in with my last point no no you go first you go first um it was basically just the contrast that it shows between this american city life and just this little scottish village so when mac is first getting told that he's to go to scotland and he has to go to harper's office and he climbs the stairs, these grand spiral staircase, which is almost like going up to, like, God or heaven, <laughs> which I found really ironic because then Harper hits the switch and there's the stars after taking mm-hmm. these, like, spiral staircase. And so you've got that and you've got Harper with these fancy gadgets, you know, the automatic doors that are controlled from these desks to then this local village where like one of the local biologists is called marina i mean that's not that's not a coincidence um the only real bit of traffic is that motorbike that's going up and down the road um there's obviously some of the sites and the northern lights that we spoke about but it's also a place that is it's a place where you could easily find love as danny quickly finds out whereas Mac has tried to ask out the desk girl, he's tried to get back with Trudy, none of it's really worked out. And then there's, as you said, Ashley, it's a place of community where everybody shares the same jobs and chips in. And I don't know if there's something in this as well, but it's a place where Americans and Russians can come together and be friendly. You know, there might be something in there as well. But the Russian states, you can't eat scenery. And that just kind of brings me to like the money side of it as well, where it changes people when they have not got it and want it. And it also changes people who have got money and actually want a life without it. And you quickly see that change through all the different characters until we reach Ben at the end. And I thought it was really interesting that, to me, and I hope I'm right in this, <laughs> uh, but Ben is the local hero. And I think that's quite ironic because he's not got that much screen time, but really the title is about him. And well, that's what I take from it anyway. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I He wrote. saves the village. He saves the village, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Being brought over by, by his demeanour and the way he is and his conversation with Hatha, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's interesting. Uh, my last point is the music. Um, I am a fan of Mark Knopfler. Uh, but it, the music isn't uh, what I would call uh, not consistent. It, ha- it doesn't have a unified style all the way through. There's there's accordion music, there's guitar music, there's banjo in there at different times, there's fiddles, there's all kinds of different instrumentation, and then there's a lot of synth stuff. Um, but it all works beautifully together, and it's not even necessarily in the same key and things like that, but each piece of music for the, each part of the scene works exactly for what it should be. Um, and it doesn't take over, but it, it does what exactly what good film music should do, which is enhance the scene. So uh, when we've talked about Happer's helicopter arriving, the music, just as the helicopter turns and you get a lens flare through from the helicopter searchlight and, and the, the music changes up a key and becomes louder, and 
gives you a little shuddering, mate, because I just I think it's absolutely perfect and it's pitch perfect. It's really on point. So I, I, for me, my last point that I absolutely love about it is I'm a big fan of soundtracks and you can listen to soundtracks without the film and enjoy the melodies and all the rest of it, but it shouldn't be so complicated that it takes over. But again, with this, it sounds easy, but actually it's very complicated and a lot of thought has gone into it. And when you do listen to it separately, it doesn't necessarily just remind you of the scenes, but it's really enjoyable pieces of music. But coupled with the images, it's absolutely fantastic. It works brilliantly and helps this, the, the thing fly along. And also doesn't really try and be too um, cheesy. Here we are in America, here we are in Scotland. You know, there are no bagpipes and all the rest mm -hmm. of it. <laughs> so what I think, and this sums up the film for me, is each scene has exactly what it needs in terms of design, in terms of acting, in terms of script, in terms of music. It has exactly what it needs and no more. And that's what makes it look effortless, but actually that's really, really well thought through. And I absolutely adore that. So that, that would be my last point is, is first of all, how brilliant the music is, but how well also it points up just how excellent for me each of the departments are within the film mm -hmm. um, for each scene. Yeah, it's a very balanced film, well-balanced film. Um, and the music just adds to it. It's subtle. I, I have to say, like when I was watching it, the music didn't stand out for me, but I don't think it was something that was meant to be in your face no, it uh, as you said it should be like a good referee be, it should be yeah. there to help but not hinder yeah absolutely um so but i would definitely be interested uh i'd find it interesting to go and listen to the soundtrack without it and then again and just sort of compare things mm. any other notes or bits anyone didn't like about the film yeah there's there's one thing that really frustrates me and that's the role of women in the film i i think they are uh, dispensed and sidelined you know Stella is a really important th uh, character but you don't know anything about her where she's come from did she grow up in the village did she come from how did she meet Gordon um, does she actually fancy Mac or not uh, all of these things uh, the same with Marina uh, you know Peter Capaldi isn't an attractive figure and she just lets him start kissing her and I, I kind of get very frustrated that the women aren't empowered uh, although Marina gets what she wants eventually but it's actually not through her it's through men talking to men. Uh, and so that's the, my big bugbear with the film is that women are there to serve the men, be it the to point out Victor's character by this haranguing uh, Russian wife, be it Stella who's there as a, as a foil uh, and a gentle side to Gordon. But she hardly says a word. Uh, and at the end when he flies off and she looks up, you think, oh, is she wistful? Is she missing him? Was she fond of him? I don't think she was ever going to cheat on Gordon with him. I don't think she. I don't know what she thinks, and that that frustrates me about it. Both her and Marina had the potential to be really important devices in the story, and they're not. They're more asides, and that's my big bugbear with the film, which is why I can't unequivocally give it a ten. And that's just two of the females. If you think about most of the other females, they're servers. They're either receptionists. Um, they're either shop people. Um, that kind of stuff, you don't even have a woman in the band. You know, you have the punk chasing it who becomes a figure of, of fun. That's kind of it, really. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. that's my big bugbear with the film. Yeah, and when Gordon's, uh, like, drunkenly talking to Mac about leaving um, and Mac saying, like, leave Stella or whatever, none. it's never, ever mentioned, like, what Stella wants at all. It just never comes into a uh, question, absolutely. Yeah, and there is the scenes where Danny and Marina do, like, go away together but you never really see where they go and there is a chance there to does does marina take her to like like somewhere that inspires him to then go oh this is what happer should build you know we don't really get too much of 
of her point of view in life and uh, yeah yeah and actually just touching on that very quickly sorry to interrupt but if if danny didn't fancy her would he have still suggested it to happen you know and we yeah. don't know yeah, yeah. and so uh, yeah so it's, it's very frustrating to me that's and, and actually to be honest with you that's the that's about the only thing i don't like in the film there's a tiny little gripes as a filmmaker i notice and think oh what do you do that for but actually the rest of it is so lovingly done I just feel that there was a missed opportunity. And maybe the film was busy enough, but if the film was so busy, they could have busied it up more or taken some stuff out and put other stuff mm-hmm. in. You know? yeah, 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 definitely. My only little um, bit that I didn't really like about the film was the therapist. But now that we've spoken about it, I want to watch it with a different set of eyes because actually... It does add it does add something to it. I just wanted to know more. I just I didn't really understand it, but I will go back and I will revisit. I, I tell you what, <laughs> I, th- I I agree with you actually because I've always wondered what's the point of him. But um, maybe we should talk again after you watched it a second time. But briefly, mm-hmm. I think he's there to remind you that actually sometimes to cure yourself, you don't need busyness and, and noise. You need quiet and silence. And and uh, the th- Moritz shouting at him down the phone. He very quickly gets weary of it and he, and. It's just a funny thing, but I have no idea where it came from. And you're right, I'm not entirely sure what it serves. It doesn't bother me, but it's just not necessarily necessary. But as you say, maybe it is necessary. But Happer doesn't change that much anyway. So I don't really know. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 Gary, anything but, from you? Yeah, just two things. Um, there's some great lines in there. With, like, I know I've touched on the dialogue, but one of them is, like, just for instance, McIntyre turns around and says, we're on a kind of a mission. And the Reverend says... Uh, same here and it's really quirky bits of dialogue like that there's another one where Max says uh, he's on the phone to Happer and he says oh there was a meteor shower sir Happer says uh, where was the meteor shower and he's like oh it was in the sky and it's just wee small like fun lines like that Um, my only nitpick is I think it ends quite abruptly kind of just ends and we don't even though as Michael said like you really feel for him when he's back in America, but I kind of wanted to know what okay, what is he going to do with his life now? He's been sent back, you know, like how is he feeling? You know, maybe that's said in visuals where he just kind of opens the fridge and doesn't really know what he's looking for and he feels lost again. But I just wanted a wee bit more. What what was what was his next? But do you ever um, get that in a film after the ending? It's a, it's mark of a good film. You want to know what happens beyond it, but at the end of a book or a film, you tend not to get because uh, it has to finish on a moment you yeah. tend not to get i don't think um two months later here i am with a you know doing something else i don't know i yeah. don't know i think the fact he sticks the postcard up on the shelves and is the memories inside will probably stay with him i agree that the film finishes abruptly it doesn't finish on a resounding success moment climactic thing that we yeah. see and often in modern films there's a there's a big battle of some sort be it internal tension or robots <laughs> and then afterwards there's a little bit of here we are the next day just to show everyone's okay and we can still buy milk and there isn't that necessarily yeah. because you don't see the islanders or anything else but i don't know if actually you would ever do that in there and it's definitely written not following robert key's act of three acts and all this kind of stuff or whatever it's definitely written beautifully from uh, just a great film writer it's not following the rules in that respect so i agree with you but i don't know if that's because we're used to seeing other films where you get a hint of the beyond yeah maybe maybe it's actually the opposite maybe it's um it ends quite abruptly in the scottish village maybe i like maybe we needed more of the goodbyes i don't know i feel like there was something missing but the fact that i can't 
put my finger on it means I don't have the answer either. <laughs> you could have done it in the credits and had little photos of Happer having a whiskey with Ben in the in the place, or uh, Mac and bumping into Moritz in Happer's office, or you know, little asides yeah. and, and, and pointers afterwards, like the Steel Game post sig, you know, where we always mm-hmm. kind of finish the story mm-hmm. off. But I'm not sure necessarily it, you would have got anything from it because I think that the tension and energy would have gone from it. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's so me. now. We are um, going to uh, re-rate the film if anyone's ratings have changed. I would say mine has probably gone up a little bit because after hearing both of your insights, I think there are definitely parts of the film that I brushed over and didn't appreciate enough. So I'm going to give I'm going to put it up to an eight out of ten instead of seven point five out of ten and revisit. Um, and have a little look at the guy, uh, the things that you guys pointed out. I'm going to confirm mine as a nine after mm-hmm. I forget how much the female thing bothers me, so I can't give it a ten. So I'll confirm it as a nine, nine and a half. Yeah, yeah and I'm going to stick with my eight, but probably will watch again and find new things. Yeah, amazing. I think you would. I think you would find new things. But it's an interesting story. When I was fourteen, I went on, and I lived in England at the time. I went on a massive tour of Scotland with my family. And we went to villages like this and we went to Scrabster and places where the hotels didn't have locks on the rooms and there was steam coming off the uh, polythene sheets with electric blankets on and the Nairn's oat cakes for breakfast had been there since the year 1200 AD. <laughs> and and I, I, you know, I was what, um, kind of in my teenage years in those, t- in when the film was made and it definitely reminds me of a time and it's not modern times. There's no mobile phones in it. There's a car phone in it, I think, but there's no mobile phones in it, which doesn't date it. There are no computers in it, which doesn't date it apart from in America. Um, there's no technology to get in your way to date it, but it, it, it kind of takes you back and you two guys are younger than me. And, and I think if you didn't live through that necessarily, you won't enjoy the observations on it as much perhaps. But I guarantee if you watched it again, you would notice more stuff or get more humour out of it because you would enjoy it more because you weren't concentrating quite so much. Uh, yeah. and I, I, but I think that's definitely true of it, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to stay here, run the hotel, do little bits of business. You can go to Houston, take the Porsche, the house, the job. It's a good life there, Gordon. I pulled out 80000 a year. Plus, I have over 50,000 in mixed securities. I want you to have it all. There's nothing due on the car. It's pure ownership. And I won't let down your good name here, Gordon. I'll make a good Gordon, Gordon. What do you say, pal? What about Stella? I was coming to that. I love her. Very, very much. She's wonderful. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever loved. And I think she knows it. I want you to leave Stella here with me, Gordon. Would you do that? Would you leave Stella here with me? Sure, my. Um, so I think we will head on to our very quick, quick fire quiz round where Gary and I ask you five questions each on the film and we will take it in turns. Okay, so Gary, do you want to start us off? Sure. What is the name of the fishing village in Scotland? Uh, the character one is Furness. Yes, yes. 
Where is the Knox Research Facility? Houston. Aberdeen. Oh, I'm with you. Sorry, I was thinking of the Knox Centre. Yes, okay, yeah, good point. Um, what was Harper's first name? Does it begin with a B? It begins with an F. I don't know them. No, nope, uh, no idea. It was Felix. Felix, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I could have done that by Googling it really quickly as well. You know? <laughs> um, how much sand does Ben say he's likely to be holding in his hand? 10,000 grains. Yep. When was the film released? 83, I think. Yes. Yep. Which actor was paid a $2 million salary for this film? That's going to have to be probably Burt Lancaster, I guess. Yep. Lots of money in them days. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who delivers the line? How do you do business with a man who has no door? It's either Mac or Gordon. So I think I'm going to go for Mac. Yes. Yeah. True or false, Local Hero won Best Film at the 1984 BAFTAs. Uh, false. False. It was nominated. I didn't win. Yeah. And my last question, what was the name of Harper's therapist? Moritz. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my final one is Local Hero was, uh, as we know, adapted to a stage musical. Where did it have its premiere? Inverness. At the Lyceum in Edinburgh. How interesting. I didn't even know it had been adapted. My question for you two is, what was the name of the boat before the Silver Dollar? I don't know. I, I was going to say, I was going to say bugger, but that's what they say when they're discussing it. Bugger's got two G's. No, I can't. There's two L's in dollar. There's two G's in bugger off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember. I thought it was going to be one of your questions, so I thought I'd look it up, but I can't remember it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, though. Um, so we are going to each state our fun fact of the day, just to round off the show. Gary, have you got a fun fact for us? Yes, um, it's really short and sweet. The singular of confetti is confetto. And the only time you're probably likely to use that is when someone wakes up the next day drunk after a party and you might say, you've got a piece of confetto in your hair. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> that is a fun fact. Absolutely. Uh, I went um, with a Scottish fun fact. So the Logan Air flight between the two Scottish islands of Westray and Papa Westray is the shortest commercial flight in the world and it lasts just 57 seconds. It's a distance of 1.7 miles. There's a wee video on YouTube. 1.7 miles? Yep, 57 seconds. Wow. Wow. Did you know that National Trivia Day in America takes place on January the 4th. I did not. didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's fun fact day. Is There is yes. a fun fact day, National Trivia Day, <laughs> on January go. the 4th. We love that's it. Good. We love it. Um, and now we will recommend a short film for our listeners to go and check out. So, Gary, have you got a short film this week that you'd like to recommend? Yeah, my short film is an animation. It's called Unbreakable. It's only about three minutes long, and it's about a stuffed bunny who goes on an who goes on an adventure to find a way to heal a burst stitch. So it's like almost like Toy Story, but just coming off the conveyor belt. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and the short film that I'm going to recommend is called Asynchronous. It is directed by Nicholas Afchain, and it's 
a beautiful love story with an amazing score by the band Twin Atlantic and it's just come out um, it's amazing it's on YouTube and Vimeo I believe fantastic and my short film and I'm so sorry I cannot remember the name of it and it's really terrible of me but I, ju- I was a BAFTA jury member for the short film um, a few years ago and if you can find it Google it's a German film and it's about the whole world is lived backwards. So people start old and they die young. And the one guy lives forwards in it. And it's about 10 minutes long and he moves forwards and everyone else moves backwards. And it's a love story. But what's astonishing is when you realize when it was made, this guy had to act backwards so that everyone else could move forwards and then play the film backwards. And it's about 10 minutes long. And I'm really sorry, I cannot remember the name of it. And when I find it, I'll let you know and you can put it in another podcast. But look for it. And it's a, it's a love story. It's in German. And I don't think there's any words because it's just set to music. Mm-hmm. And the whole world is backwards. You start old and die young. It's like a tiny mini Benjamin Button. But he lives forwards within this world. He's the mutant. He's the person who's stuck in a world going the wrong way. And when you realize how they had to make it, it's astonishing. And it's the best short film I've ever, ever seen. And I keep recommending it to people. And of course, like the name on the boat, I can't remember it. <laughs> and I've looked for it for ages. But when I find it, I will let you know, definitely. Okay. Amazing, amazing. Um, so thank you so much, Michael, for joining us on the podcast. Um, can you let our listeners know where they can keep up with any projects you're working on or anything else? Uh, at the moment, I've got a few interesting projects in the pipeline that I can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Still Game has finished, sadly, but there's enough on social media about that programme particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually, uh, because obviously I'm not that famous a director, uh, I don't have my own website saying, oh, I'm doing a Tonix advert, uh, which I am. <laughs> so um, if it's big enough, you'll see uh, there'll be a star in it and they'll tell you. And if it's not big enough, you don't need to worry about it. You haven't missed anything. love it Um, so I'm Ashley Sutherland you can find me at at Ashley Sutherland on Instagram or at Ash Sutherland 4 on Twitter and my Twitter and Instagram is HewittGPro and my my Instagram my Twitter is at Mr M Hines and I've had a fabulous time because what a lovely thing to just talk about lovely films how nice what a great way to spend the day so thank you very much for your time guys I've really enjoyed it thank you so much you've been listening to Choose Film a real retrospective podcast and join us next week when we go into the film Ned's carrying on our Scottish theme thanks very much guys thank you cheers bye this conversation